0: And the purpose of this day for us is to rejoice and be glad. And Father, I just break the power of any spirit that would hinder our rejoicing and gladness, any spirit of oppression and fear and worry and doubt, concern. I command you away from this assembly, away from God's people. We will function in the purpose of this day. And we thank you, Lord, for good testimonies. We thank you, Lord, for rejoicing and gladness today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about God's standard. I I thought I would uh, speak to you a little bit from that. I was listening to Pastor Shirley minister yesterday. It was just so good to sit and hear the word and it was encouraging me and building me up and I went home and was, well, I won't say dancing around but my mind was to dance. (laughs) 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 And I'm winting all the way. But uh, praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, God has purpose in everything that that, uh, we go through. You know, I remember Job Saying, Can I, shall I not receive good and bad at the hand of the Lord? You know, uh, and, and um, not that God has anything bad to give us, but we have to endure things. You got me? It'd be real nice if we could escape through life and nothing, uh, you know, ever hinder us or hurt us or harm us, but we do have an enemy, so what, that's what you have to factor in. You have to factor in the, the enemy's uh, attempts to hinder us. We are in a warfare. I, I think we have a pretty peaceful life to be people of war, to be at war at all times against a, a foe that wants us take our lives in this life and wants to grab us throughout eternity. You know, we, you have to take that into consideration. And so as as we do those things, though, we understand also that God has a purpose and a plan for everything. So everything that comes to us there's a plan and a purpose. And I thought to myself, I said, well, if nothing else, I've been spending more time reflecting on God's word. It slowed me down <clears throat> to where I have to focus on God. and Sometimes you do reshuffle your priorities. So I've always, whenever I was in a difficult situation, I always asked God to, to use that time, help me to use that time wisely, use it for his glory, some good purpose come out of it. And so if, if that can be done, then you can say it's worth it. Amen? It's worth it. It had to go down like that. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and we bless our friend Kelly Cruz, Lord, wherever she is, to send a blessing to her father in Jesus' name. Amen. So when talking about God's standard, though, I think I stole Pastor Shirley's scripture in Romans 12, too. We'll start there. He says, I beseech you, brethren, and, and this is a, when a, a minister is begging the congregation to listen. That's, that's what he's doing. So this is important. You got me? He's, he's praying to them, please. You know, it, it, this is important. <clears throat> he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy holy, And acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. So he says this is not. You know you're not being a martyr for a cause. You're not being asked anything extraordinary. He said this is just reasonable. Considering that Jesus has given your life. His life for your holiness. He's contributed everything to your situation. He says and be not conformed to this world. In other words this present earthly realm that we live in don't conform yourself to that Mm -hmm. now this confirmation to the world is a process um, that takes place on a continual basis that we have to resist the conformity to the world the world has philosophies ideas and standards that they preach all the time see as believers we're aware of this when you were a sinner you weren't so aware of the the uh, attack against morality and Christian standards that there is in the world. So there is a, a, a pressure and an atmosphere that's created that is attempting to shape you. To conform you to its purpose. But he says, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind... That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when you're transformed, you begin to prove some stuff. Hmm? So there's evidence of transformation. You begin to walk out or prove the will of God. You begin to, you know, where where people used to run around and say, well, God called me to this, God called me to that. When you're transformed, you walk it out and they see. You don't have to go around telling everybody who you are and what you call to do. You walk it out and they see. Because you've been Transformed. If you go from being a medical student to a resident to a doctor in practice, you don't have to strut around and, and try and look like a doctor. You are one. You got the patients in the office to prove it. See, you, you are proving what, what, what you really are on the inside. And we are proving the will of God because that's what we have on the inside once we're transformed. So <clears throat> he says here, do not be conformed don't be conformed to this world but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind the word conform really means to to uh, to shape the word for conform really means to cure or to yield something to cure or to yield so it, it's it is the thought here, when you talk about conformity, the thought here is there is some process that is is taking place in your mind that is giving you solutions. That's what cure means. C-U-R-E means to cure. It, it is giving you solutions. It is giving you, it is causing you to... Um, to line up with what it dictates as an answer to situations in your life. Uh, it means yielding. So when you conform to something, you begin to yield to it. It's already got its own shape. It's already got its own idea. It's already got its own. It's got a plan for you. So conformity really means to yield To an already carved out mold for you. That's why I tell Christian young people don't ever let the devil catch you without the plan of God working in your life. Because he definitely has plans for you. If you have no conformity on the inside of you, no shape, or you know, you're just out there trying to see what life is all about, the devil will definitely find a mold to fit you into. He'll send somebody into your life who will try and make you feel important, begin to speak things to you. This is how conformity operates. It operates through vehicles that work. Conformity often operates through relationships. You'll find somebody you think highly of and you begin to adopt their attitudes, you begin to adopt their mannerisms, their thoughts, all of that. That's how humanity operates. Because we are, are reflections of a true image and we're always looking for who we really are. Whether you admit it or not, that's the quest of humanity is to find out who we really are. And so there are two ways then that your, your identity can be shaped. One's conforming to the world. Now the devil will tell you stuff like, well... Uh, you're your own person. You're a self-made person. You're this, you're that. Well, you're not any such thing. There's no such thing as that. The Bible says there are two masters. We're all servants down here. And you may think you, you run things and you doing your own thing and you you got your own ideas, you know. You'll hear young people say that about their heroes, you know, the rock star heroes. Well, I like Madonna because she does her own. She has her own way of doing it. No, she's conforming to the prince of this world. She's got y'all fooled because your minds are weak. See, when you are conforming, that means that you are being shaped. You yield every day to a thought process and a force that shapes your thinking, begins to shape your desires, and then will begin to guide your behavior like a little robot. Uh So you're being conformed all the time by what you hear and what you listen to. Now the word transform, though, means to metamorphose. That's the, the Greek word that, that, that uh, they use in the, the translation is metamorphose. It means to change or transfigure or alter markedly in appearance or form. Alter markedly. See, the, the conformity is something that, it's, you know, they talk, give this example about boiling a frog. If you start him out in cold water and gradually increase the temperature, he's cooked before he knows it. Huh? This is the way the world does us. We're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And pretty soon we're doing things, you know, sinners say this all the time when they're either on drugs they're walking the street selling themselves for drugs, or they're you know, breaking and entering to get drugs or so. I never thought, I don't know, how I got to this place in my. I never thought I'd get here." Hmm? Couples who wind up divorced say the same, "I never thought we would wind up in divorce court. I thought we would be together forever." huh? Why? Because they've been like little frogs in cold water. Gradually, the enemy turns up the temperature you conform you come to a, a, a fork in the road where you have to make a decision you keep going down the road that the, you open the doors you go through the doors the enemy opens for you to get your answers huh? you search your mind you, go, you find people that are supposed to be experts in certain things and they're of the world as well And so you get down that road and pretty soon you conformed in a big way. And it's been little bit by little bit by little bit. The devil never snatches anybody and tells them, I'm going to make you a drug addict. Hmm? What he does is he separates the family, starts by dividing the family so that the person feels lonely and alone. And then all of a sudden the only people that like this person are the rough element of the city. And so they go in and conform to that little bit at a time. Well, I know my mother always said drugs were wrong, but, you know, they look so happy. huh? They look like they're having a good time. They like me. They accept me. And that's part of the scene. And so when we think about conformity, it's yielding little by little by little, gradually letting the world shape our thinking, shape our ideas. So when God comes into your life, He wants to do a major upheaval on the inside of us. See, it's a working from the inside and then expressed on the outer by our changed behavior. We begin to prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So when we talk about God's standard, though, I want to give you a good understanding of what a standard is. So you'll understand how God works this process of helping us. To not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So he does it by creating a standard for us. Because you have to have something that draws you away from the world. And that something is God's standard. So the word standard really means a flag. And that is a flag of a chief city or state or nation. So our our stars and stripes would be a standard. It means an ensign. The word ensign just means flag. But then standard has a different meaning. And that is it's an accepted measure of comparison for quantitative or qualitative value. So that's what God does. He raises up a standard or he raises up... A, a, uh, a value a criterion that's one of the other words for standard a standard is an object that under specified conditions defines, represents or records the magnitude of a unit so a standard of measure for us would be a foot, an inch, a yard, that type of thing. So that's the standard by which we measure everything. So if I gave you a ruler that had 36 inches and I gave you a piece of typing paper, the typing paper is being measured against the standard. You tell me how many inches it is. Amen. So it has to conform to that instead of the other way around. I don't give you a ruler and say how many pieces of typing paper is that you got me and so we have a set way to measure things and it's set in stone and it's not variable it doesn't you know like we like to say god understands it's not like that it's a set standard that does not change and this is the one thing you have to remember about god his unchangeable standards his unchangeable goals for us his unchangeable Ways that he deals with us, they don't change. Mm -hmm. Now, you may think he's going to change, but he doesn't. Because if he would break his laws in order for his kids not to feel bad when we break them, you know, that's usually what we're after. We're after feeling good about ourselves when we shouldn't. huh? We're after God, you know, let me off the hook. Well, he never lets you off the hook. They give you another chance and he forgives, but that's very different than letting you off the hook. Huh? Now mom and dad let you, let you off the hook because they got tired of you whining. Hello. But God holds us to the standard at all times. His standards will never, ever, ever change. So <clears throat> this standard is, is something that's commonly used and accepted as the authority. So God's word is the authority. It's not variable and it's commonly used as and accepted as the authority. For instance, John 3:16 is the standard by which we measure salvation. Huh? That did you accept his his son Jesus Christ? Are you born again? That's the standard. There is no other way in. Now, isn't it amazing how that's challenged all the time, how the world challenges that? Oh, is that, well, you know, all paths, well, I believe this, and I think that, and how could you be so rigid? Well, it's not us, it's him. He set the standard. We didn't set anything. We're conforming to it. And so when we when we conform and we're transformed by that standard, that means that we don't change either. We're not flexible in this. This is not my word. I didn't set up this standard. I'm conforming to it. And that's why it seems that huh? I'm a mean person or I don't understand or I don't love people. It's not that I don't love people. I'm conformed to that standard. I've been transformed on the inside and I carry that standard inside of me. So that any time I talk to somebody, that flag comes up on the inside of me and says, whoa, wait a minute. This is, you know, find out if they've received the Lord if they really are on their way to heaven, et cetera, et cetera. So that standard then gets raised up on the inside of us. It's like a flag that goes off on the inside of you. And you talk to people and you begin to have conversation. The Holy Spirit will start to, to drift your conversation and turn the, the, the rudder of your body, your tongue, into the right direction in that conversation with that person whether you want to talk about it or not you find yourself there if you keep running your mouth you'll find yourself right there amen? so a flag also we're talking about a standard it also symbolizes a people a nation and their beliefs when people talk about America you go to some countries and they jump they want to get over here huh? dying to get over here why? they never been here They but there's a standard there's a, something that's sh- It's shot up on the inside of them where then you say America, they know what we stand for. And so it, it symbolizes your government, your philosophy, your purpose, and your doctrine. So that standard that God puts on the inside of us in the transformation process symbolizes God's doctrine. It has his authority in it and his purpose in it and his government in it. For instance, when we do talk about America, that stands for liberty, opportunity, and justice. Everybody knows that. Countries where people are oppressed, they want to get here. Oh, I would just love it if I could just not get in trouble because my ideas don't coincide with what the government thinks. I would love to be able to get in your country so that I could worship any way I want to and not be told what to do. Uh, And it doesn't agree with me. So those things we know about our country. So God's standard, though, is not the standard of the world. In this respect, it is neither rational nor emotional. And this is how the world governs. The world will govern you through rationality of the mind, rational thought. You know, does A and B add up to C? According to the world standard, or it will govern emotionally. Hmm. Are people excited about this? Is there a big crowd around this? Are people uh, willing to make sacrifices so they can have this? This is how the world world governs, and we see a lot of that now. We have what we call motivational speakers. You didn't. This wasn't even a, an occupation of. Uh, 40 or 30 years ago 20 years ago now it's a whole occupation why? because people don't want preaching anymore they want a pep talk they want emotional only now I'll tell you when the, the flip happened when the, the church stopped playing games and started bringing bibles and pens and notebooks and we started making notes about the word and studying the word then the, the play and the emotional nonsense moved out of the church and the world had to. Because people want that. You got me? So now you find all the religious spirits over at Tony Robbins and whoever else is giving their motivational talks and they can't guarantee you anything. They can't change you. They will tell you the change has to take place. And if you listen to all of these tapes and you do what we tell you to do, you can get to the place where you can get out there and start working at this, but there's no guarantee. And so people stay hyped up. They stay emotional. They put all their money into it for the promise of maybe they can get close to what this guy has out of the process because they love that hyped-up nonsense where we have always studied in the universities and the schools because of lack of discipline people don't want that anymore you see what i'm saying they've had to dumb down a lot of their uh uh, uh their information just to conform now to the young people that are coming out of the dumb schools why? Because there's no standard there anymore. They're just going for the sake of going in the hope that maybe one day they can get a career out of something or they can get some training out of something because they have taken away their standard that they used to hold. Remember when they used to make you learn your ABCs and make you learn? Now you got to have a tutor for a kid that's just learning basic addition, basic ABCs. Huh? Why? Because you want your kid to learn and you get him a tutor. But think about if you just let him get what they get in the classroom and that's it. He'll remain at a first grade level for most of his adult life because that's where the devil likes people to be. He wants you to be dependent on somebody that you can look up to as a God and keep you away from the living God. I'm telling you, you give your kids God because they will have something to hold on to in the end time. See, people are frightened and upset about the fact that we've got 30% graduation. If you track, they say if you track a class from kindergarten up into the 12th grade, you only get about a 30 or 37% yield in public school systems. And see, people, they're upset and frightened about that. But the thing you got to look at is why is this happening? Whose plan is this? This is no accident. There's a plan out there that's being followed. And why are it being followed? Well, it's to keep people in a dependent place so when somebody comes along and can start programming them and talking to them and telling them what they're supposed to do with their lives, they'll have to obey them. And so if you give your children God, they don't conform to that standard. They are changed people. They are a different breed of people. They're a different creation. They're a different race of people. Why? Because they are involved in a deeper work. There's a deeper work in them. There's a spiritual transformation that is going on on the inside of the believer and the believer's household that the world can't unconform them to. The world can't twist them out of this. The Bible gives you insurance policies on your kid. You train them up in the way they will go. That's your insurance policy. All you got to do is train them up the right way. And the Bible says when they're old, they won't depart from it. Don't worry about it. You see them getting curious about what's in the world. Just keep beating them back with the word. huh? There was a couple, as a young man, he was a preacher and people used to marvel. I said, wow, you're really young to be a preacher. And, you know, well, I wasn't always serving god he said my parents were intercessors and he said i would you know rebel and tell them off and i'm going out with my friends he said and my mother would look in there in my room at me she said i'll meet you in the throne room Amen. Yeah. didn't worry about it didn't call 50 you know worry the pastor to death for a special prayer she just looked at him, Yeah, i'll meet you in the throne room and he said time after time he would get out with his friends and he said one time it got so bad his friends told him man don't ever call me anymore he said every time you come with us something bad happens we can't with the car goes flat we can't get our money just don't call us no more why because she had an insurance policy on she knew that she trained him up in the way he would go and she didn't get hysterical about it she just kept watering the seed that she planted in him many years ago amen so he got old, he didn't depart from what God was. Listen, honey, I've seen it happen. You know, kids bring their little boyfriend, girlfriend, sneak them in the church. And they get saved and on fire and go leave you somewhere. You got me? Hey, God, don't care nothing about what you sneaking and doing. They care less about your little sneak. No? He takes everything and works it to His purpose. Why? Because He has a standard set up. He's not going to change what He does change. What He does, He's not going to change and vary anything that He does. So, <clears throat> so really, the uh, when we talk about God's standard, the Bible tells us that 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 is a a uh, it's an unchangeable, an accepted authority. Now, the world may try to fight it, but God's word is an accepted authority. It's accepted by creation. It's accepted by humanity. When people get in trouble, they call God. They just call him. So his authority is accepted in the world. So if God tells us not to conform to the world, we must conform to something and that something is his word. The Bible tells us further in, in, uh, in Romans 12, two, the answer. If we're not being conformed to this world, then the other door is to be transformed by his word. So his word transforms us. Now, it's possible to conform your mind to some aspects of the word. You can you can memorize scripture. You can give mental nod or mental assent when you hear the word. You got me? You know how we do. We kind of hear a familiar scripture and oh, oh, yes, you know, clap and want everybody to see, you know, the scripture. I'm familiar with that one. You know how we used to play those religious games. But just mental agreement with the word is not transformation. It's not. Transformation yields a totally conformed individual that's totally different. All of your parts are still there. You're still the same person. You look the same. You talk with the same voice. You have the same eyes, ears, and nose. But you are structurally on the inside totally different than you were before. And that's, that's the kicker. That's where God gets his delight. Because he can send you into a place that used to be familiar to you as a sinner. And now you're conformed. Transformed on the inside by his word. By the working of his word. And he'll use your voice on the same people that used to know you as a sinner. And now you can take the word to them. Because you're a totally different person. And he can trust you in that environment to not be changed by them anymore because you are not the same person anymore. That's what a transformation is. See, in the world, you're just conforming to a pressure. So if you say five years ago you bought the Tony Robbins tapes and for self-improvement and they didn't quite work for you, so now you can get the next guy that's coming down the pike with some words that because your mind's just being shaped and bent in different directions but you're the same person you're just being you're just yielding to different pressures that come about in your life when you in your own thinking you can start grabbing for answers to your problems yourself you see you begin to yield to to things that you think well this might help or that might help say for instance you have a pain and you think to yourself well if this pain doesn't go away in a certain amount of time then i got to do something i'll go to the doctor or i'll do this or i'll do that and your mind will start to yield to different options of a remedy that come to you when you're transformed you are a different person on the inside so when information comes to you that's not good it gets processed differently it bypasses your carnal mind and your spirit man grabs it and he begins to process it and give you god's answer based on god's standard and that answer might be well you're not there's nothing wrong don't go to the doctor this by your stripes by his stripes you were healed and the transformed inner man begins to speak new ideas to you that don't come from your carnal thinking. That's when you're transformed, folks. The big difference. Those thoughts that you used to yield to that came to you because you had fear. Oh, if I don't do something about this, something... Huh? Now, don't tell me y'all don't think like that. I had that situation with my knee. I was thinking to myself, I said, well, I've never gone to the doctor for this. I said, but they might be able to do something so I can get to the conference. Pressure. So the world wants you to conform to pressure so that you can go back through your carnal thinking and try and find a solution. Instead of grabbing the spiritual one. Because we're all transformed at least a little bit on the inside. huh? We're all different creatures. See what the enemy wants you to think is that the world has some big grip on you. And you can't make the right decision in God. You ever think sometimes you think well you know maybe I could do that if I was Kenneth Hagin. Because I heard that he... He didn't take an aspirin for, you know, the last time he took it, what, 1939 or something? He even had the date, the day date and the year of the last time he took medicine. Well, I'm not Kenneth Hagen, so I, I can't do all of that. I don't, you know, I can't do all of that. And so we'll have those thoughts. We'll have those ideas, but the world doesn't have as big a grip on you as you think it does. Why? Because the Bible says right here, you have a choice. It says you don't have to be conformed to, you don't have to take the first thought that comes to your head to get you out of trouble. And if we're really in bad shape, a little larceny will come in there too. We want to steal something from somebody or put this off or not pay your tithe or not giving the offering just to get out of trouble. Because we're being pressured by the world's thoughts and the world's system. Whereas you, if you would yield to the transformed inner man that's on the inside of you, you could, that standard of God would come up on the inside of you and God's standard would be there for you to hold on to. Because it's in there. It's in there according to how much you put in there, it's in there. When you're saved today, it's in there. And many times we'll go through life struggling and, and afraid of things and, Well, I know I should stop doing this, but I just can't stop it. The world doesn't have as big a grip on you as you think it does. Because the devil works primarily by deception. He tries to make you think that his grip is great. And that he's never going to let... He tries to make you think he's in charge of you instead of the other way around. Well, when you've been transformed, you're a totally different person than you were when you were out there serving the devil. You're totally different. You're not conformed to this world anymore, but you are transformed a little bit, whether you know it or not. So, when we, when we uh, talk about this transforming process, the standard that God raises for us is his word. So it's possible to conform your mind to some aspects of the word, but really what God wants is that deeper work of transforming By the renewing of your mind. Not memorizing scripture, but renewing your mind. Your mind has a spirit. The spirit of God can breathe life into your mind. See, when you memorize, you're just putting it into a recording system that's already set up in there. But when you renew your mind, You allow the Holy Spirit to breathe life on the word that you hear. The Bible says that this word will quicken or make alive your mortal body. The body that you live in now, it quickens it and it makes it alive. So when you think about that, that's not nearly the same thing as when you memorize Psalm 23. Hmm? Or memorize John 3.16. We can speak it and quote it. But you know if you ever let the Holy Spirit breathe life into that scripture. And transform you with it. You begin to live your life like John 3.16 is all there is. Hmm? You take one scripture and live off it every day. That's just how much life is in God's word. And so as your mind is renewed you begin to be transformed and formed differently on the inside and you begin to walk it out on the outside. You begin to approve what's the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Amen. Conformity can be from the head or the heart. Some people conform to the world's ideas and they are so adamant about it, you know, there are some ideas that are loose in the world that, that you can build a whole life off of. Political ideas are like that. You see some people give themselves over to politics. Sometimes religious ideas are like that. They can kind of form a standard in your heart and you begin to believe that in a religious fashion like there's nothing else in the world except that. Uh In fact, the word religion really means what I would give my life for. Whether it's God or some purpose or, or nothing. People who are in the gay pride movement. That's their religion. They would give their life for that. They feel very adamant about that. So it's not just a, a mind conformity thing. This thing is worked into their hearts. So there is a spiritual force there, a spiritual element there. And this is why God warns us not to be conformed to the world. Because there is a spiritual force that can come and reside with that philosophy or that way of thinking or teaching. Remember the old days where... where uh, Kids would be taken from their homes and brainwashed by these religious groups. Then they would have the deprogramming where you had to go in and really work with them because there was a spiritual force feeding that. So it is dangerous to still play around with the world once you're a Christian. Huh? You don't want a, a demon to attach itself to a thought that you have and you can't get free of it or not get free easily. You want to be transformed By the renewing of your mind so that you have a different energy and spirit in your mind to fight these thoughts when they come. huh? So that's why when the Bible tells us to cast down imaginations, arguments, thoughts that exalt themselves, try to get higher than God's word in your mind. You gotta put those things down. You gotta put them under your feet. You gotta subdue them so that that standard of God reigns in your life. That whatever you do, God's standard is running your life. And that's how you prove the good and acceptable will of God, the perfect will of God. So when we talk about this transformation, it's an interchange. It's not done by mental means only. Carnal mental means. There becomes a mind in your spirit that begins to develop knowledge of God. So you begin to to be convinced in more than just a mental or an emotional way. You get rock solid in what you believe. That cannot be moved. So that transformation. And you are actually restructured on the inside. Your mind doesn't even flow the same way it used to. Sometimes your mind could be uh, respond quickly to fear. Whereas the minute a thought comes to you that made you nervous or upset, you, you, there was other thoughts that came to help it out. So that you began to think fearful. You began to do things to help that fear or to, to work against that fear or to combat that fear, whatever you were doing in the natural and then in, in a, as a transformed person, that pathway in your brain gets undone. Amen. And gets restructured in a different way. I had them buy this little transformer for me and nobody, none of the young men can figure out how to do it. But I'm going to pass it around with the instruction thing because this thing turns into a vehicle it's also, uh, it's in robot mode. Uh, what else mode is there? But all these same pieces, none of them are left out. And you can change it into all these different things on here. So I'm going to pass it, thank you sir, pass it around so that uh, you can see that it's intact. Uh, the important thing I want you to notice is that you can let her have it, Tone? Okay, just yeah, just pass it around so everybody can see it, please. And you come back in here. <laughs> On his way out, you pass it. You know what I want you to see is that that thing is not damaged in the transformation process. Nothing's left out in the transformation process. Now let me tell you why when God does that to us he doesn't leave anything out. Doesn't he have a covenant of peace with us? So while this transformation is going on your life is largely undisturbed. He's not upsetting your life. He's not hurting you. This covenant of peace he keeps all the time while he is restructuring and reforming you on the inside. Hmm? Yeah just keep it going around please. So when he, when he does anything in our lives. He has to keep covenant. He can't break his covenant with us. He can't break one promise that he's given to us. While he's doing the work that he's promised to do on the inside of us. So. When, when he has that covenant of peace, that means he uses every piece. He never takes anything away from you. You're intact, nothing missing, nothing broken, in a state, in body, in spirit, in mind, everything. And in that transformation, you're changed into his glorious image and you're given a promotion. See, whenever you go from the merely carnal to the spiritual, it's a promotion, folks. It's not like God's, you know, this business of, you know, take us to the potter's shed and break us and all that. Those are, are similes, but that stuff is happening in, in internally. You're not, you're not broken and beaten and all that by God. Come on now. He'd never get anybody to, to uh, consent to salvation. If it were so bad and so tragic. See, that's the pressure the enemy puts on your mind to keep you in a state where he can keep bending you and twisting you and conforming you and putting pressure on you to conform you to his way of doing things. Because he hates to let go. So he tells these lies on God. Oh God, I'd love to be able to, to give regularly, but it's so hard. Many times you hear yourself saying that. It's hard. I I want to pray more, but it's hard. I want to, but it's hard. I went, but it's hard. It's not hard. This thing happens on the inside of you. You know, sometimes you can. I I can remember times in my life where I would go to say and do things I used to say and do, and the words weren't even there anymore. And it's not like I told God, "Oh God, if you don't take cussing from me, I just no don't know what I'm going to do." The cousin left, and I wanted it back sometimes, but I couldn't find it. Why? Because I was transformed. It was restructured differently in me, where I would have to think a real good long time to say, "Now, what did I say when used to say when I would get real mad, like, and I want to give them a real string and let them know who they was messing with, huh?" Uh, Huh? You know, it's like the words don't even come in there anymore in the order that they, huh? Now We're all like that about some things. There are some times, you know, where you used to, you think about your life, you used to uh, stop by the clubs or something on your way home or stop by a familiar bar on the way home. You don't know, even the, the mind to do that anymore doesn't even come to you anymore. Why? Because you've been changed on the inside, and you didn't sit up and fast and pray for months to get the bars out of you. People just don't do that. What they're praying about is to get the bills paid and and to be able to do these practical things that we we pray about our needs materially. We seldom pray about, mm, oh God, just change me so I'll be more like you. I heard that prayed in a long time. Huh? You do it when you're a new Christian because you feel yucky about everything. Oh, you, know, you get around older Christians and you think they're perfect and, and you're, you you got you know, poop on your shoes all the time. So you and you stop that after a while. Huh? Because it's not quite as important to you anymore. Or you understand that God is doing something. Every time you read the word you can see it, you can sense it, you can you can get an inkling of what God's doing. And all you have to do is lay it before him. If there's something that's a problem for you in your life, I'm talking about on a behavioral thing. We all got them. Now, sometimes we get too smart with people too quick or we're impatient with our children or we want to do this better or that better. Those are internal problems that we know we have that if we look at Christ, he don't have that. And we know that it's better for us if we can be better in that respect. But for the most part, we don't pray about these internal things. Huh? Why? Because God don't have to have your permission to work on you. Did you know that? The Bible says we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. All we have to do is say no to sin and yes to righteousness. Just say no. Remember that? They told sinners to do it and a lot of people wound up in rehab and off drugs. Just say no. Huh? If the world can do it, the Christians can do it too, even more so. Because we have a new standard inside of us that says no for us. Sometimes when you want to say yes, it'll raise up and say no for you. So we have this this what we have in God is an amazing thing. It works for us. Isaiah 59:19 says that when the the enemy floods in on us. Huh? The spirit of the Lord raises up that standard against him. He raises up that standard on our behalf. So that standard protects us. The word of God in us is that standard. And it protects us from overwhelming enemy power. But it also challenges us to embrace it as our new standard. So when we receive the word, we also receive an impartation. Say, for instance, you're praying for your children. They're at school and some, some bully is trying to bully your children. You know, these things happen almost to everybody's children. And so you, you get the word. No weapon that's formed against us will prosper you start reading that passage of scripture and it gets interesting to you. huh? That's what God does. You'll you'll receive this standard whether you want to or not. You get in trouble and see if you don't go to the word. If you don't go, you're crazy. If you're a Christian, you need to be going to the word. You don't want to wait for somebody to bring the word to you. you got your own Bible. You go to the word yourself. If you have difficulty disciplining your children, they won't listen to you. Go to the word. My children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. They'll be peaceful children, not difficult to manage. You go to the word. Where we have problems, we go in here. Conforming to the world. See? World standard. Pretty soon, you're going down to the court system to try to manage your coach. Pretty soon, you see what I'm saying? It's conforming to the world. Where you could go to the word and that standard, you look at that standard of the word. Well, God says my children shall be peaceful and they'll be obedient, that they'll be easy to manage. This isn't what I'm seeing here. Let me stick with this. Let me get more of this and then I can manage this situation better. You can receive a piece about it as you read it, but then there's something about that word that entices you to more if it got that worry off of me that time if I stay with that I can keep that worry off of me so you begin to embrace the standard you take the standard with you and you did it because you had a need and you saw that that met that need and you couldn't resist grabbing more of it that's how the transformation takes place It's not by punishing yourself, by making yourself sit there and read your Bible for crying out loud. If that were the only way God could get us to do anything, man, he'd have a tough bunch of cookies on his hand. But he knows for a fact that in life we are going to have difficulties. In life we're going to have troubles. And you're a crazy person if you don't go to the Word yourself. See, we get a little lazy sometimes. You know, when you're in a, a church where the word is preached, you know that you're going to wait. I'm going to wait till I get to church. I know she's going to say something about this. You know, Pastor, Pastor Shirley, she knows how to hear from God. Pastor Bob, you know, she don't do nothing but read that Bible. I can tell you she she's one of them people that stay up in that. I'm going to get some on the cheap. Huh? God might give He see you working like that, he'll give you an inch. Huh? You get enough to wet your whistle and then you forget it when you get out of church. You say, what was that scripture? And you go back to your notes. Huh? And then pretty suddenly you're looking it up yourself. Huh? Well, that's how the transformation takes place. It's a sneaky transformation. Hmm? But he says, renew your mind. You can't do that yourself. That's a spiritual happening. When it, that word renew means to bring it from a condemned state back to a perfected state. And that's a spiritual work. You can't do that. You sit up and listen to the scriptures and memorize them all you want to. You can do a little meditating. But the renewal process is a work of the Holy Spirit. As he breathes life on that word on the inside of you. And your mind begins to have a spiritual life to it. And you're not no longer given over to dead works. You're you're giving you're given new life on the inside of you. Sometimes people have habits that tend to want to hang on them, and they know it's wrong. They know they shouldn't do it. They know it's sin. But how many of you know? You know, Jack Daniels will leave you. You don't have to leave, honey. Uh, uh, um, Cuddy sock will leave you. You don't have to leave it. There are certain things that will just leave you because the transformation is taking place. Now, I would say this. The transformation will take place much better if you consent to it and not fight it. We all have strongholds to deal with. Sometimes we have attitudes that, that feed ideas. You got me? You can have ideas that will crop up in your head based on an attitude that you carry. And you keep thinking, I should just quit doing this, but somehow it's rooted in me. You know, how some things are rooted. And so God then, because you agree with him and you've embraced the standard, he'll begin to help you to break that thing down so that it gets weaker and weaker and weaker in you. Huh? But you can help yourself. By doing some of the things God tells us to do. Like shun the very appearance of evil. If it looks wrong, don't do it. huh? And so if you teach yourself how to conform to these, these are helpers until you get straightened out on the inside totally about that thing. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I can remember when I was saved, I was still drinking liquor because mostly I was... Taking nerve pills, and you know when you're nervous, you' just nervous. you take anything you can to help yourself, but I was a new Christian at the time, and I can remember, and I was so happy that I was too nervous to drive because I couldn't go out and buy anything I'd, so that helped me to stay away from the appearance of wrong things. I can remember when I was getting better, I was getting well, and I was smoking, and I was thinking to myself, i said, well I should get rid of these cigarettes. And then I'd go get one and puff. I said, nah, these cigarettes taste too good. I don't know if I could ever get rid of But I was a Christian. And I was looking at Christians, you know, on television and stuff. And I said, they look like they don't smoke. You know, it came to me that that would be a wrong thing to do. And as I was getting better, I would think about it. I said, I should really get rid of this smoking. I said, I don't know how to get rid of it. And I was talking to a lady, a neighbor of mine. And I was telling her, she was on the phone talking to her pastor or elder somebody. You know, she's Pentecostal, was elder somebody. And I had a whole list of things that if I ever got a chance to ask somebody to pray for me, I would ask to pray for them. So I had my whole list. Smoking wasn't on it. I had my whole list of things. And she said, come on, Elder so-and-so on the phone. He said he'd pray with you. I said, ooh, really good. And so I was, he said, well, sister, let me just give you a word of prayer. I never got my list out. And as he was praying for me, I felt something touch the end of my tongue, and I knew I would never smoke again. And the next month, I was in a women's meeting, and they'd asked me to, to be a hostess at their regular monthly meetings. Now, I could have been <laughs> the smoking hostess, or I could be transformed on the inside, where God knew that was going to be a problem for me for where he wanted me to go and for my health, And he took care of the whole thing. I never asked for it. But I can tell you this. That he knows what's needed on the inside of you. And every day he's working on it. Every day he's working on it. Every day he's working on it. it. Now you can try to play hardball with him if you want to. And hang on to things. But I'm telling you. Drinking left me. Smoking left me cussing left me a lot of stuff left me now y'all think I was a rough cut when I got started but you should have seen me like the year before (laughs) yeah I wasn't fit for church you understand what I'm saying but many 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 things and then when I was as I was walking with God he would give me experiences that would leave impressions on me and those things began to work on the inside of me so this transformation folks It's not something where you got to sit there in front of your Bible all day long and and make your mind, make your mind, i got to make myself. Mm -mm. God knows how to work this, whether you know it's working or not. Uh, He will draw you and lead you and, and you cooperate with God. When he shows you something and you know it's wrong, you get rid of it as fast as you can and take the crutches out from under it that support it. You got me? Oh, it's too hard. I see other people doing that. You don't see nobody doing nothing. You better stay with you and God. Uh, You stay with where you and God are. Now, how we help ourselves. How am I doing, little Howard? Okay. In James 1, you see how this process takes place. How? What is your part and how do you help yourself in this process? You got to get serious about it, number one. As long as you think it's a joke, and as long as you think God has given you forever to get obedient, you're you're on the wrong page. Those are foolish thoughts. God has a standard that is his character. He wants us to imitate him in the earth, and God is not a sinner. He's not a liar. He's not a backbiter. He's not a angry for no reason, he's not violent. He doesn't hurt people. He doesn't doesn't do any of those things. So we have to understand God's standard. When his character is challenged by anybody, he must subdue that challenge. Now, care if it's one of his kids. If we challenge God's standard over our lives, he's going to subdue it, trust me. Huh? He's not hes not Santa Claus, folks. He's not here to give us, you know, three wishes like a big genie or something. He is God. And he expects us to yield to the transformation process and help the process along. So in James 1, if you'll go there, let me go there too. Hold on. It says here, it talks about being a doer of the word, not a hearer. In other words, let the transformation process go a step farther and cause you to do what the word of God says you're supposed to do. He says here in verse 22, he says, But if you be doers of the word, And not hearers only, he said, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So to sit and listen to the word and listen and listen and listen and never obey the word, he says, you're deceiving yourselves. You did that to you. The devil didn't do it. Because it'll tell on you. You know, many people come to church and want to seem holy, etc., etc., and they think they're fooling somebody and they don't go home and do the word or they don't go to the workplace and do the word or they the minute the you know everybody's out of church they go back to their same old routine and never take the word with them to the outside and commit to obey what they hear you have to do that on the inside you got to embrace the word and say yes I'm going to do this I'm going to commit to the word that I hear i don't care how many times you fail at it Amen. huh you keep failing at it, but you commit to the word that you hear. You have to be right on the inside about this. And he says, this engrafted word is able to save your soul, folks. It'll keep you. Keep you straight. Keep you going. Keep you right. And he says in verse 23, If any be a hearer of the word... And not a doer. He's like this. He's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. That's what he means when he says glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way. And then right away he forgets what he looked like when he was in the mirror. Hmm? Now, I've gone out somewhere, and I tried to remember. I said, what did I, you know, people look at you funny when you get, well, they're going to do that anyway, because, you know what I'm saying. Many times I'm rough. I'll admit that, working on it, or not, <laughs> whatever. But sometimes you look at people, and you wonder to yourself, did I comb my hair right, or did I, play? you know, they just give you that. Well, this is what he's saying. He says, you fixed yourself up in the mirror, and then you got out, and you acted different. In other words, you put on nice makeup, you got dressed real nice, and you went out and laid in the pig pen. Huh? So he says, if you don't do the Word, it's like looking in the in the glass, forgetting what you look like and acting totally opposite of what you said you were going to do when you were reading the Word. Huh? We do it all the time. You get out there, you get under some pressure, or you don't commit to do the Word when you read it. Hmm? Old school Christianity. Instead of claiming everything you want, we need to get in the Word and commit to do the Word when we hear it. Huh? Fred Price has taught his people this forever. Once you hear this now, you gotta make up your mind you're gonna do this Word. That's how he got where he is. By that commitment to do the Word and nothing else but do the Word. Same thing with the Copelands. They said we made an agreement with one another that when we would get a scripture, we wouldn't waste our time trying to decide if it was too hard to do or if we wanted to do it. We made up our mind the minute we saw it, we would commit it to doing it, and God would help us to do it on a regular basis. That's how you get to be a a worldwide ministry in one generation. You have to commit to do the word that you hear the minute you hear it. All believers are supposed to do that. And so he says what it is is that you're looking in this mirror and you see, this mirror is the word of God. You look here and you see God's standard. What you need to do as a believer is embrace that standard of the word. Instead of looking at it and shrugging it off and going off and doing what you always do. Now this will help you. Because this is why we have so much Bible reading and not much Bible doing. This is why we have, we're in church all the time and we can't get our bills paid. We can't manage our children. We can't manage our finances. We can't manage our life. And we don't want to come to church on time. Well, I'm going to sit down. I don't care if you say amen or not. I'm going to preach to myself. Huh? I'm here by command of God. I'm not here just because my knee wasn't working. Huh? Because there's some difficulties in your lives. You know what they are. And this is the answer. You look in this mirror and you see you don't measure up. God says to give tenth. I don't do that. I do it sometime. I don't do it all the time. You know you don't measure up. And you don't go back and read it anymore. Mm? Amen. You need to read that more than you need to read anything else. Hello? Why? Because you're putting on makeup trying to make yourself up. To look like what it says in there and you can't get the lines right. You can't get this right and you can't get that right. So what do you do? If you get get somewhere and your makeup's not right, what do you do? You go get back to the mirror again, get your makeup out and fix it. Hello? It's the same thing with God's word. You get in that word and you say, oh man, here it is again. Huh? Shun the very appearance of evil. Huh? I still like to date. I still like to sit up next to somebody I ain't married to and I ain't thinking about getting married to. Let's see, if I do that, they won't like me no more. If I do that, they'll call me gay at school. If I do that, it'll look like nobody wants me. huh? So you put the mirror away. Well, see, I don't really have to do all of that because, see, I know so-and-so and and -and such-and-such, they dating somebody too they ain't intending to marry. Hmm? They get away with it, so I don't have to do it. See, you just conform to the world standard again while God is trying to help you cooperate with the process of transformation because that little word you did look on, honey, that's going to work in you. I got news for you. You will leave the sin or the sin will leave you. huh? And when it departs, it may not be pleasant for you, but when God gets rid of it, it's gone forever. Huh? He can do it nice or he can do it not so nice, but it's gone leave. Why? Because he has better things in mind for you. He wants you to conform. He looks at you and sees his son. You just got a few pieces out of place. And he comes into your life to fix those pieces and you can embrace the words that hey, God transformed me. I'm cooperating with the process. Or you can resist the process, conform to the world, and then the process will overtake you to the point where you, you totally lose the taste of it and you don't care anymore. If God has to strip you of everything, he will conform you to the image of his son because that's what he sees for you. You think he cares about your whining and your screaming? He thinks he, You think he cares about your excuses? Are you kidding me? He killed his boy and beat his boy bloody to pay for you and you think he cares about your little whining? And your little reputation in front of people and how you're going to look to people and how they're going to look at you. You think he cares about that? Are you kidding me? no you're going to go through it honey and you're going to be so transformed that stuff will leave you one day you'll look around and start thinking what on earth was I thinking about calling myself worshiping God and was thinking about fornicating while I'm in the service couldn't wait till I got out till I could get with so you got me you hear, y'all hearing me am I talking to the right people or am I talking to Presbyterians you got me that thing will leave you trust me Cause he got a word way to get you in the word. You'll get in trouble one day, and you say, "What was that scripture? Let me go find it." We all go there, huh? Yeah. Get your Bible out and you start reading, and you say, hmm, that's pretty good. I didn't know all that was in there." And you go read some more. You just ate the bait. He didn't break a sweat getting you to do that, did he? because he knows there's going to be enough trouble for all of us to go around where we will really need him and we will come to him all he needs for you is to visit the altar one time and he's got you huh? it's the truth you will conform we sit up and we try to make excuses for everything just because it's in our mind to make excuses you know, that's a sign of cardinality excuse making you'll need excuses you just need to yield to the standard conform to his standard conform to his word be transformed by the renewing of your mind Huh? God's trying to get us to respect ourselves and respect one another and we try to hide from him because we're scared it's going to hurt if I have to do this or what's going to happen I've been wanting to do this all my life well you're not too old for your wants to change huh? nobody's too old for their wants to change and they will change you get a new standard on the inside of you, it will change. Huh? It will definitely change. When I was younger, I thought, you know, old people told us the key to success. And this is very, very prevalent among African Americans of my generation. You had to get an education. You must go to college so that you can amount to something. They were looking for education to give them value. And that was what was programmed into my head. I had to get an education so that I could be a respectable person. I could have value. People could look up to me, whatever. They wouldn't treat me bad if I had degrees and all that kind of stuff. And then I found the Lord. And he told me I was of value when I didn't even think I was valuable. Wrap your brain around that. While I was yet a sinner, the worst place I could ever be, he showed great love because he gave his life for somebody I thought was worthless and was working on getting to be a worthwhile person by the number of degrees I could collect and the number of amount of education I could get. And he tells you, you've been worth my son's life. I gladly exchanged his life for yours when you thought yourself at your lowest. I gladly paid that price for you. You can't wrap your brain around that. You just got accepted. You just get, you just, okay, God. Well, give me. Let me take a little bit of that medicine today, and, and see me tomorrow. See if I'm able to take some more. You got me. And so as He begins to transform us on the inside, He gives us more of that, and more of that, and more of that. But I didn't think I would be doing what I do today. We didn't have any preachers in my. I had nobody to relate to as being a preacher. And so when God told me to preach his word, I said, well, I made the mistake of telling God, Jesus, you've done so much for me. (laughs) Can I, I don't care what it is, you just give me something to do for you, I'll do it, I don't care what it is. Ever been there? Uh Uh-huh, he heard that. Listen, it doesn't take much to get us saints to confess something and he grabs on to it and takes it and works the rest of your life with it. Don't tell me you can't, you stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. (laughs) Honey, it'll stop you. Trust me, it'll leave your life. Why? Because you're under contract with him. He's already bought you and paid for you. You think he can't do the rest of it? Are you kidding me? See, we labor in this great delusion of, Oh, everything's so hard. Serving God so hard. That's the easiest thing I ever did. I I was a nervous wreck. I couldn't work. Didn't have a marriage. I didn't have anything when I met the Lord. You don't think it was easy to to give that over to Him? I had nothing. And I knew I had nothing. Sometimes I feel sorry for the people who feel they have something when they come to the Lord. Because they're always counting the cost. Hmm. I don't know what it's. I don't know if I could do that or not. That if I do that for God, it means I gotta quit doing this. I can't do that. I, I feel bad for that because it was so easy for me. I was nothing nowhere. New. I was nothing nowhere. Huh? I was a psychiatric nurse, and in all my buddies that I worked with, wouldn't call me when they found out I'd lost my mind. How do you like that for compassion? Huh? And later on, someone would say, "Well, I just really didn't. I'm so sorry I didn't call you. I just really didn't know what to say." I said, That's "Okay, Jesus help me." Amen. And they really got lost in. Yes. So there's method to it when God's in it. Yes. See, He didn't want me depending upon man anymore for my help. He was going to be my help, yes. huh? Amen. He's your everything, folks. Yes. He's your everything. And yet today, He's knocking on the hearts of doors of every heart in here. I'm working on something in you. And you may think your life is not going anywhere, it's boring. I haven't answered that prayer yet. It's been so many years you've been doing this and so many years you've been doing that, and, but I'm working on something in you. I'm still working on it in you. Huh? And I want you to cooperate with the process. When you look in that mirror and you see what my standard is, and you got to say, "Yes, God, I want that. I want that." He's not telling you that you got to do that process yourself. All you got to do is say yes to the end result. God, I want to. I want to be a stable person. I want to be a joyful Christian. You know, some of us have not mastered joy. Oh, okay. Hey, listen, I don't got time for the, the, the joyless, uh, the joyless sermon today. It's a whole nother different forty minutes. I don't have time for that. But I can tell you why you don't have it. Because you fight it. Huh? Guerrilla wrestling. Mm -hmm. You're still wrestling the same devils you were wrestling when God saved you so many years ago. We're still wrestling them. You haven't laid down your labor yet to pick up the joy of the Lord. Now you're so stuck in a pruned face you don't even want to think about it. Somebody got to pep you up. You know, they look at your face and they say, Oh, here she is again. Let me see if I can say something. Huh? It's the truth. It's the truth. Huh? It's true. Some of us are, are so dying to be successful according to the world's standards. It's still there. It's still there. For some of us, God is beginning to unravel it and and mold us anew. But if he told you today to let go of it, you'd stroke out. That's why he don't tell you to let go of it. He's going to do the sneaky work on the inside. One day you get up and you don't want that job anymore. You just feel like you want to preach. That's when it's done. You didn't have to say yes to it. You didn't have to go through any pain. You didn't have to Huh? No trauma, no drama. He just did it. And you woke up, you were a different person with a new vision on a new road somewhere. Huh? Some of us want to do the right thing, but we want to take all the garbage down the road. You know, with tin cans rattling behind you. Uh, make too much noise. God's got to quiet you down. He's got to restructure you on the inside so that when you come, they see Christ coming you know and that's it no rattling tin cans running down the road behind you huh you know i we we kind of look at who we invite in to speak to you guys and you know you look for preachers with good reputations you know and some of them make noise they got a bad entourage they got goofy people they got you, you know we kind of tend to push them away from you Because I know they're not completed yet. They're not mature enough yet to do what God wants them. There's going to be some bad fallout somewhere. You know, the ones who lurk around in the back of the conference looking for young girls to pray for. It's true. Sick Miss Nola on them. (laughs) But she ain't nice either. She's not supposed to be. You're not nice to devils. That's not pastor nobody. That's a devil trying to, see, and be nothing for him to ask her where what hotel she's staying. Where's your room? You got me? So there's, there's noise sometimes that we create. You know, there's spiritual noise that you can see. You know, you, you call a meeting, you can always tell the prophets. They're very quiet, but they're loud. When they walk in, they're loud. Some them's loud. They, they don't say a word. It's either the hair's loud, the dress is loud, the shoes are loud. If it's a man, you know he's got a Hawaiian shirt on in the middle of. They speak. You got me in the spirit. You can tell who's who in the zoo, but they can be very quiet. And not, but you can tell they carry something. That's what you want us. Now that's acceptable. But this, this kin, tin can rattling behind them, this fallout that traps people into it and makes a mess of things, you discourage that stuff. You get it out of the midst. Huh? Because they're not transformed enough yet. Huh? What kind of pastor would you be if you're eyeballing all the women that come into the church? Come on now. And so in life, you're going to find that when God does this inner transformation, renewing your mind, all you got to do is behold the word and say, God, I see I don't measure up there. I want to measure up. And then it starts to work on you. That's when your mind's renewed. Meditation happens when you embrace it. You say, God, I want that for my own. And then the Holy Spirit brings it into your mind and he repeats it and ministers it to you. It's not a, a memorizing thing. It's a ministry to your soul. And it changes you. It helps you fight any idea that's not like it. The minute that idea comes in, that standard gets raised. We don't do that inside of here. We don't accept that word in here. We don't receive that word in here. Huh? The only thing that happens to us sometimes is we get a little weak. You know, you might have an injury or something and you think, this feels bad. I need to get in it. <gasps> ah, we don't do that. You belong to the great physician. Uh, he's your healer. He's your, huh, huh. And pretty soon. And you may want to think you're going to settle for less than is best for you. See, if I go to a doctor, that's less than God's best for me. See we now we don't preach that wheel because these people are so sensitive, so touchy. Oh, don't take my doctor away from me., yeah, you can have him. I don't want him. I'm trying to run away from him. If I could move a little faster on his knee, I'd be running from him. huh? You understand me? Because I have the best position. I just have to know how to access what he has for me. See? but I, that's not my first thought. I fight that thought when it to me, that's weakness, huh. I'm going back. And it's not that I'm too cheap to pay him. Huh? But later find somebody who has a need to send him to Disney World. I'm not doing it. Huh? I've done my time with that. Hmm? But you know, we all have those situations that may catch us off guard where we, we think that way. But then at the end of the thought, that standard comes up. Uh, It comes up. And you may walk a little bit in that. I'm not saying don't go. If you need emergency help, if your arm's bleeding, you go get somebody to sew it up. Unless you can do that yourself. But if it needs sewing, you go get it sewed. But you go with that standard on the inside of you. That standard on the inside. Because you may get there and they can't sew it up fast enough. Huh? You might hit something big. You know, it only takes about a minute for you to bleed to death. They hit the right artery. You're a goner. So, but that standard will always come up on the inside. Ah, you are healed. He with stripes for you, you're healed. Not one of his bones was broken. huh? I use that for my bones, my teeth, my everything. Huh? When I hit the concrete on the stupid steps, I knew immediately I had no broken bones. The thought shot through my head. Oh, Lord, you hit it. Oh, not the steps. You probably hit it between the steps and, and you got none of his bones were broken. And I'm in his body. You got me? The standard comes up. That standard will come up whether you need money, whether you need healing, whether you need deliverance, whatever you need, that standard raised. Why? Because he's working on the inside of you, whether you believe it or not, whether you want it or not. Why? Because you one time embrace that word. It's working. It's going to wrestle you down, folks. I'm telling you. God's going to have his way with his body. He doesn't buy anything he can't control. I know we don't like that word. God's not a controller. You better believe he is. If that sun comes up every morning he controls that, if the moon goes down at night, he controls that. The waves of the sea, he controls. He controls you and me. We just think he can't do it. Why? Because he's got a covenant of peace. He does it on the inside of us in a way. Hmm? Sit up and watch other people's behavior, wondering when they're going to change. So and so you know they mean they don't talk right to people and before you know it you're sitting up there weeping and repenting God I should think better about them huh he got you you think he can't change you I got news for you You keep living but he's doing it in such a way to conform you to the image of his son he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you the way you are and he is transforming each and every one of us in the inner parts. Everything's there. He doesn't take anything away from you. Huh? All you who are, wanna be heterosexual, God ain't gonna make you gay. Because you don't can't date and sleep around, that don't make you gay. Huh? It makes you healthy and wealthy and wise. Huh? It makes you all of the above. Huh? Just because, you know, you used to look at me and Pastor Shirley, they wear them long skirts, honey, you're going to love them too. Huh? It's going to keep the, the riffraff off of you, you know. You go somewhere and, and you can be treated with respect. See, now I lived that life, you know, when I was a single younger woman. I, you know, I was a model and I did my thing. And, you know, I wore things just to get the, the wow factor. Everybody looked you got me? And I know what that feels like. And when I got saved, I didn't like that anymore. I didn't ask for it to leave, it left me. Huh? And I felt like, well I God, you know, I really like this better. I like this better. Why? I was changed on the inside. I was a totally different person. I didn't live for somebody looking stupid. You know, I used to call it instantly stupid. Huh? You know, when you're a woman, you know what to wear. I said, hmm, they'll get instantly stupid when I come in with them. And you just went on your merry way and that's what you did. But then he changed me. I received his son. And he began to change me on the inside. What well, I wasn't insecure about is somebody didn't look at me when I walked in. You know, you got me? Huh? You know, some, now they got drag queens looking better than women. I mean, come on now, girls. Let's get serious here. Thank God for Jesus. We can wear normal clothes and God will have somebody look at us because He draws their attention to us, not because we're working so hard to get it done. Amen. Praise God. Can I stop now? Praise the Lord. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you. Amen. We bless and praise you. And we worship you, Lord. Thank you for your standard that's raised up on the inside of us, Lord. Oh, we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that while we're, whether we know it or not, whether we consent, oftentimes you work on us as a gift because you promised us that you would conform us to the image of your dear Son. We thank you so much for that, Lord. We bless you. And, Father, we're not ashamed of who we are. We're not ashamed of looking like Christians, whatever that looks like. We're not ashamed of wearing the image of Christ inside and outside, Father. Let it radiate to the outside, that the world will look at us and know that we belong to him. Everybody will know that we belong to him. We thank you for it, Lord. We bless you. Father, I thank you that the best compliment I've ever received was that somebody said, I knew you were, were one, of, one of God's because there was something different about you. Let that be what we seek to show men, Lord, that we belong to you. There's nothing better in the world that the world would see. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you want prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you.